Youth leaders, there is a big buzz here at Dare to Share as we launch this month's episode of Gospelize with Greg Steer for a couple of reasons. One, we're launching a new six-month or six-episode series through the life in six words, God, our sins, paying everyone life. But the other exciting thing that goes with the launch of this podcast series is we have just recently launched a partnership with Open Network and Version, both ministries of Life Church. On Open Network, you can now access a sermon series, the teen curriculum, adult small group curriculum, all built around the life in six words. On Version, there's a 40-day devotion you can participate in and a seven-day devotion for students. We are over the moon about this partnership with Open Network and Version, and it is our joy as we launch this six-episode series to also be launching that a partnership. So without further ado, because I know he's excited as well, here's Greg bringing us some profound and powerful content around God created us to be with him. Today, I'm so excited. We're starting a new series called Life in Six Words. What are those words? God, our sins, paying everyone life. Those six words are going to guide these next six podcasts to really help you understand the gospel because you put those words together on top of each other. The first letter of every word spells out G-O-S-P-E-L. And we're going to see that gospel message is so powerful. And those six words that are going to be connected with six sentences uh, bring life, life in six Words. So let's take a look at the first word and the first sentence, God. God created us to be with him. This is the first part of the gospel message. And I believe the gospel ultimately is a love story. So I want to ask you a question. What movie do you think of or what movies do you think of when you think of the whole idea of a love story? Maybe immediately you think of Titanic or the notebook, or kind of one of those gushy movies. Uh, And you probably don't think of movies like Rocky or Braveheart. But I propose that Rocky was a love story, especially Rocky I, by the way, 1976 Academy Award winner, best best movie, just saying. It's a love story. Really, the reason Rocky fought was because he loved Adrian. The very last scene, he didn't care if he won or lost. He was just yelling for Adrian, and they collapsed into each other's arms. Yes, you heard it here. Rocky's a love story. Uh, You think of Braveheart. I think of Braveheart as a love story. It's a really a powerful love story. Yes, it's it's a story based on William Wallace, who freed uh, Scotland from English tyranny. He's famous for that. But in the movie, he's in love with a girl named Marion, and uh, they have to secretly, uh, you know, get married. And there's a scene where uh, some English soldiers uh, end up killing her. And the soldier that kills her, actually an officer that kills her, uh, cleans his bloody knife with a scarf that she had. And that blood-stained scarf became a theme throughout the whole movie, a recurring plot element throughout the whole movie. And at the very end, you'll see as William Wallace 
is being tortured to death right before they behead him. He's holding that cloth in his hands. And when that, when that axe comes down, right before he comes down, he screams freedom. And then the axe comes down in slow motion. He's looking through the crowd. And he, although she's dead, he imagines her in the crowd because she was the reason he kept fighting to the end. And when that axe comes down, his hand opens up and that bloodstained cloth floats to the ground. You realize this movie really is not just about the freedom of Scotland. It really is a love story. And I want to talk about the love story of the Bible. The Bible is the ultimate love story from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And just like in the movie Braveheart, there's a lot of violence. You'll see in the Old Testament, there's a lot of violence, revelation, a lot of violence. But underneath it all, there is a love story. There's not a blood-stained uh, cloth like in the movie Braveheart, but there is a scarlet thread from beginning to end. And that scarlet red thread represents the blood of Christ. Matter of fact, there's a really interesting verse in Joshua 2.18 when Joshua uh, is is about to take out Jericho and the spies go to Rahab's house to hide there and she wants to live, they basically say this, unless, in Joshua 2.18, when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you've brought your father and mother, your brothers and sisters and all the family into your house, you won't live. So basically he's saying you want to live, you need this scarlet thread tied to your window. And it's interesting symbolism, that scarlet red thread that is in Joshua 2.18 ultimately is a picture of the blood of Christ shed on the cross. That scarlet red thread saved her and her household. And in the same way, the scarlet blood of Christ, the red blood of Christ that flowed from his wounds saves us. His death on the cross saves us. You'll see that blood-stained thread uh, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sin, uh, God makes a sacrifice of an animal and covers them with the, the fur of this animal, covers their nakedness, their shame. And he, again, you see a symbolism of the cross right there in Genesis 3. This bloodstained thread is seen when Abraham goes to offer his son Isaac on the altar, but there's a ram caught in the thicket. Again, the scarlet red thread. That bloodstained thread is seen when the Israelites are being decimated by poisonous snakes for their disobedience. And God tells Moses, I want you to make a bronze snake and put it up on a pole so that everybody who looks at it will live. That bloodstained thread is seen throughout the Old Testament from the blood on the doorpost on the night of the Passover uh, to David's very specific graphic description of a crucifixion in Psalm 22 to Isaiah's clear assertion in Isaiah 53 that, that the coming Messiah would die a gruesome death for the sins of humanity. Wherever you plunge your hand into the dirt and the sand of the Old Testament, if you fill around enough, you'll find that scarlet thread. Sometimes it's close to the top, like in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. Sometimes you have to dig around a bit for it, but it is there. And when you find that scarlet thread and you pull it up and you, you follow to the end, you'll end up at the foot of the cross. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see that scarlet thread. And that scarlet thread represents that love story. The love story of God 
for humanity. God created us to be with him. And I just kind of want to back up a little bit and look at the six elements, those six words, life in six words. I'm going to dive into the first word in that first sentence. God created us to be with him. That's the G. God created us to be with him. We see that in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. We're going to talk about that today. Then the next word is our. Our sins separate us from God. We see this in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sin and his heart is broken and there's a wall between them and his holy God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. God are sins. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. We see this from Genesis 4 through Malachi 4. We we see all the blood, sweat, and tears of the Israelites to try to repair their broken relationship with God could not bring it about. The blood of all those Old Testament sacrifices, the, 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 the sweat of trying to obey the 613 Old Testament commands, the tears of contrition when they failed to do so could not uh, remove their sins. It could not ultimately remove their sins. So P, paying. God, our sins, paying. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. We see this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Again, the scarlet thread that leads to the cross of Christ. Everyone, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. We see this in the book of John, which says 98 times, believe, believe, believe. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And finally, life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. We see this from Acts through Revelation. It's a personal, permanent relationship with the God of the universe that starts as soon as you believe in Christ and stretches into eternity. God, our sins, paying every one life. G-O-S-P-E-L, gospel, which means good news. So life in six words is good news. And we're going to talk about the good news of the gospel today, and that first word, God. God created us to be with him. Once upon a time. Talking about a love story, a lot of times these stories start once upon a time. Once upon a time, God created us to be with him. We're going to take a look at Genesis 1 and 2. I'm going to give you three biblical realities about this first word and this first sentence that will really help you understand life in six words. Biblical reality number one, we are a special creation handcrafted by God himself. You and I are a special creation handmade by the king of the universe. Genesis 2.6, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. I want you to picture God in the mud, right? God in the dirt and the dust, uh, forming a mud man, making a sculpture of a mud man and breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. The first thing Adam saw when he opened his eyes was the smiling, muddy face of his creator, face to face, intimate. God created us to be with him. And if you look in Genesis 2, 21 and 22, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Now, you got to understand something. He, he, performed surgery on Adam when Adam begins to look around at all the animals that have been created and see that you know they're they're pairs there's a male and a female he's all by himself he's got that sense of need God puts him into a deep sleep performs surgery reaches into his side gets a rib forms the, the woman Eve 
out of that rib, right? And, and that is a powerful, uh, just a powerful example that God got in the mud to make Adam, right? He got muddy to make Adam. He got bloody to make Eve. He got up close and personal to handcraft humanity. And he did the same thing with you and I in our mother's womb. God spoke creation into existence until he created man. And when he created us, he got hands on. Biblical reality, number one, we are a special creation handcrafted by God himself. Biblical reality, number two, we were made in the image of God. God created us to be with him, but God made us in his image. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now you'll see kind of a, a nod to the Trinity here, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, don't quite understand, don't at all understand how that works, but I believe it because it's in Scripture. One God, three beings, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but they're one, and they're having this conversation in the divine counsel of the Trinity. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Here's the crazy thing. We were made in the image of God. We were made in the very image of God. And sometimes we struggle with who we are. We struggle with uh, identity uh, because we have the world telling us who we should be or we're telling ourselves uh, what we could never be. Or we're looking on Instagram or our students or teenagers are doing that same thing and they're struggling with their identity. They don't think they ever measure up. Too many times we believe the enemy about who we will be or who we will never be. But here's the deal. God told us this. We are made in his image. But sometimes when your identity is under attack, it can devastate you. I remember when I was uh, five or six years old, um, you know, my family or bodybuilders and powerlifters and street fighters, before they came to Christ, they were very scary, scary people. And I have a big family. I have five uncles. My mom was the only girl in the group, tons of cousins. And one day it was a celebration in North Denver, Christmas Day. Uh, everybody had the free-for-all. There's wrapping paper everywhere. I was just actually kind of the quiet kid in the corner. And my uncle Dave, who was a war hero, a guy I really looked up to, very tough, but a war hero, had 40 medals and commendations in the Vietnam War. I mean, just well-respected. I really respected him, never really talked to him. Out of the blue, he said, I have one more present I want to give. And that present's for Greg. And all eyes were on me. I'm like, me? And he's like, yeah, you. I walked across the room. I took a present from his hand. Everybody's watching me. I couldn't believe he was giving me a present. I walked back and I opened that present up and it was a doll. And I thought he made a mistake. I go, it's a, it's a girl's doll. He said, yeah, I bought you a girl's doll because I thought you don't have a dad. So maybe you like to play with dolls like a little girl. And I snapped. I, I mean, I, I remember walking back across that room and I shoved it in his stomach. I go, ain't no little girl. And all my family were like, oh, maybe he is one of us. Maybe he's tougher than we think. Because I was just kind of a book-reading little kid, you know, a quiet little kid. They didn't think I was going to make it in the inner city. But I remember going back thinking to myself, I don't know why they're high-fiving each other with this. I don't know why they're laughing. Uh, I don't know why my uncle Dave did that. And it really... It really devastated me as a kid, and it awoke me to the whole idea of identity. Like, who am I? You know, this is a crazy family I'm in. 
Who am I? And that kind of began, to be honest with you, in some ways it was a gift because early on it began that search for God or God used that to cause me to search for Him because I struggled with identity. Who do you think you are? Maybe maybe the world's giving you a presence, so to speak, and you're opening that up and you're thinking, okay, this is who I am. But God has a whole different answer. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, for as he thinks, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how do you perceive yourself? I want to tell you this. From Scripture, you are made in the image of God. God is your designer, right? If you have somebody design a car, it's the engineer that determines what that car is and what it looks like and what its purpose. If it's a truck or if it's a car, if it's fast, if it's a fuel economy, whatever, it's determined by the engineer. God is your engineer, right? You are made in the image of God. Our identity is found in Him. And again, I want you to understand how special of a creation you are. When God, if you look in Genesis 1, when He is speaking everything into existence, He's literally doing that. Out of nothing, uh, He is speaking everything into existence. He starts with, let there be light, you know, clap on, right? Let there be light, and there's light, right? Let there be space between the waters, and there's space between the waters. Let there be dry ground, and dry ground appears. Let the land produce vegetation. He speaks uh, vegetation into existence. Let the land produce living creatures. There's animals, there's livestock, there's, there's fish, there's worms, there's snakes, there's cattle, there's horses, there's skunks, there's bear. He he's literally speaks it out of nothing into existence with all of creation from the stars in the sky to the planets in the universe to everything on the earth. He says, let there be, and there was, and it was good. He spoke it into existence. But with mankind, it was different. With mankind, he didn't say, let there be. He said, let us make mankind in our image. And he got in the mud. He got muddy. He got bloody. He got up close and personal. He forged and formed us. We are made, handcrafted in the image of God. There's a video that we produced a couple years back. Uh, and if you're listening on audio, it's fine because the, the words are as powerful as the visuals. But it's about your value. Your value as a human being made in the image of God. Check this out. This $20 bill 11 days ago was rolled up and used to snort cocaine. A young man overdosed, and in the ambulance, on the way to the hospital, he died. Eight days ago, this $20 bill was used to buy bullets. One of those bullets killed a four-year-old's dad. Five days ago, this $20 bill was used to pay a desperate woman to give up her body, because she doesn't think there's any other way to keep her children fed. Today, just like yesterday, this $20 bill is worth 20 bucks. Its value was determined the day it was printed. It doesn't lose value based on what it's done or what it's been used for. Just like you. No matter how you've been used or what you've done, you're still valuable.
I love that line. A $20 bill, it doesn't matter how it's been abused, its value was determined on the day it was printed. Your value is not by what you do. It's based on who you are. And you are a human being created in the image of God. And maybe you haven't even put your faith in Christ yet. You st- Let me want you to know, this is not just true of Christians. Everyone is on this planet, everyone ever born on this planet was made in the image of God. You are a value because you were made in his image. And when God created us, he, he gave us different attributes, right? There's some that are uh, communicable attributes that we, we have in the image of God. Some are incommunicable. This is a theological term. In other words, we don't reflect these attributes. So one of the communicable attributes is justice. All of us have embedded in us a sense of justice. That's why when we watch a movie like Taken, we want to see the bad guy get it because God hardwired us for justice. He gave us that part of his imageness in us. Mercy. That's why when you see somebody who's struggling, uh, who's thirsty, you want to give them a, a drink of water. If somebody's starving, you want to give them some food. He's given us reason. Unlike animals, we can reason. We can think. We can do geometry. Well, some of us can. Um, we, we have speech. We can communicate clearly and articulate clearly. And we have love. Again, communicable attributes. These are just some of them. Incommunicable attributes. There's some ways we're not like God. Uh, omnipotence. That's a, a, a attribute of God. That means he's all-powerful. We are not all-powerful. Omniscient, that means he knows what is, what was, and what could be if things were different, right? He knows all. Omnipresence, he has the ability to kind of be and see everywhere in the universe simultaneously. Immutability, he will never change. And sovereignty, he's in absolute control. We are not in absolute control. So there's ways that we're very much made in the image of God, but there's things that set God apart as God. That final biblical reality is that we were created to connect with God on the deepest, most intimate level. We were created to connect with God on the deepest, most intimate level. Genesis 3.8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And it seems as though it was a daily pattern of God. Now, God had planted this garden, right? Uh, the, the Garden of Eden, and in this garden that he had planted, right, he had crafted humanity, and he placed them in the garden to take care of it, and it seems as though it was a pattern that every day, at the end of the day, in the cool of the day, God would come and, and commune with Adam and Eve, and I just want you to have this mental picture of Adam and God and Eve walking hand in hand in perfect fellowship. Now, it's kind of interesting that you see that the, the Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 and 2, they're naked, right? They, they don't have any clothes. And that may seem kind of weird to us. What's some kind of nudist colony going on there? Here's the deal. There was no sin. There was no shame. So they had nothing to hide. They had complete transparency with each other. They had complete transparency with the Creator. They had complete transparency with uh, creation, I mean, it was perfect fellowship with God and each other and the environment. You talk about harmony. Everything is in harmony. And just imagine God is connecting with them on the deepest level. They're having conversations. They're opening up their heart. They have nothing to hide. It's, it's great between them and between uh, their creator. 
hand in hand, is how it was meant to be. And you know, but every, every drama, every drama starts with a yes. Matter of fact, David Mamet wrote a book, he's a screenplay writer, wrote a book called The Three Uses of the Knife. And he describes that every good movie, every good screenplay, every good book has three key elements. Yes, no, but wait, right? Yes, no, but wait. You see it in the movie Rocky. You see, you know, uh, Rocky and Adrian, uh, you know, and he's got this opportunity to fight Apollo Creed, and it's all looking really good. And then he realizes the night before the fight, there's no way I can win. That's the no, right? But the but wait is that he finished the fight and he was able to endure the first one ever to go toe to toe with Apollo Creed and last all 15 rounds without getting knocked out. You see this in Braveheart, right? You see William Wallace. Yes, I found a girl to marry me. No, she got killed. But wait, I freed Scotland. That's good. So you see that. Yes, no, but wait. You see it in Titanic. Yes, boy meets girl. No, ship sinks, right? But wait, I don't know what the but wait is. I guess she survived. That's a good but wait. Anyway, Genesis 1 and 2 is the yes portion of the story. Yes, God created us to be with him. Now we'll get to the no in the next podcast and the but wait uh, after that. But it starts with, yes, the gospel story does not start with bad news. It starts with good news. Sometimes you heard, you know, the gospel, you present it, bad news and good news. No, you present it, good news, yes. Bad news, no. (laughs) But wait, yes, right? Yes, no, but wait. Genesis 1 and 2 unpack that yes. And I just want you to know that, yes, God created you to be with him. You know, maybe you're unwrapping that present and and that the world or the flesh or the devil gave you and you don't like that present. Well, listen, don't stick with that because God has got a present for you that's way better. It's your identity. You were made in the imageness of God. You know, it's interesting, when I was 15 years old, I had gone to a Christian school and learned how to preach and did preaching competition. I was a little fundamentalist Christian school. And I preached in church before for like 10 minutes. And, you know, here's our, here's our young preacher boy up coming in and give me a 10-minute slot to, to preach. And everybody was like, yay. When I was 15, my grandpa died. And my big, tough uncles, most of whom had put their faith in Christ by this time, uh, came over to me, actually, even before my grandpa died, while, while he was in, in the hospital and said, Grandpa's going to die. We want you to give the, the sermon at the, at the funeral. And I'm like, uh, I'm 15. <laughs> There's no preaching competition. This is no showcase. This is a real sermon, a real 30-minute sermon at a real funeral for somebody I really love, my grandpa. And they said, we want you to give it because we believe that's, that's what you're called to do and you're going to give the gospel clear. And I remember standing up there preaching the gospel, seeing a ton of people come to Christ, and man, praise God for that, but sensing, you know what? This is who I was born to be. This is actually who I was born again to be. My identity is not based on my preaching uh, power or skills. My identity is based in Christ, but part of that gifting that God gave me was to preach. I realized that at 15 years old, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life, and I'm still kind of behind that pulpit today. I'm going to tell you this. If you're a believer in Christ, you are made in the image of God. God created you to be with Him, 
And God is going to help you find your identity in who he created you to be and in him. And along with that, he gives you a gift to be able to serve the body of Christ. But it's all rooted in who you are in Christ, who he engineered you to be. Some of you may be watching this and you've never heard that God created you to be with him. Let me tell you, he did. He loves you so much. He made you in his image. You're not, you're not a random result of chemicals coming together and things just accidentally happening and mutations just accidentally happening and somehow uh, you, you just are this random result of all these scientific processes and there's no being in the universe. There is an engineer. He made you to be with him. He loves you. But our sins, they separate us from God because he's a perfect and a holy God. That's the no and those sins cannot be removed by good deeds. That's no again, right? But wait, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. That same God who created you died on the cross to pay the price for our sin, and he rose again from the dead, and now everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. It's not a matter of trying, it's a matter of trusting. And that life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. If you, and that, it's really Garden of Eden restored, right? Paradise restored. If you put your faith in Christ, believe that he died for your sins, you receive that gift of eternal life, right? And you'll have identity, not just as somebody who's made in the image of God, but somebody who's been adopted into his family. You can be called a child of God. John 1, 12, to those who believed in him, to those who received him, he gave the right to be called the sons and daughters, the children of God. As soon as you believe in Christ, receive that free gift, you are called a child of God. God created you to be with him, so be with him now. You're made in his image. Become his child. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God created us to be with him. Let me pray for you. Father, uh, I just pray for everybody uh, listening to this right now, whether they're youth leaders or are going to really help their students understand uh, the gospel, life in six words, whether they're a small group leader, a mom or a dad or a teenager, God, would you help them each to know before they teach it, train it, spread it, may they know that you created them to be with you and that, Lord, you made the ultimate sacrifice of your son so that we can be restored, so that Eden can be restored, so we can be restored hand in hand with our creator who loves us so much. So we can have a right relationship with each other and with the environment, and with you, our creator. So thank you for creating us to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Craig, that was so good. Uh, just a powerful truth that God created us to be with him. I just want to remind you as listeners, take a moment to rate, review, subscribe if you haven't. Uh, let your friends know about this podcast as it has encouraged you. And we're, we're excited again for this six episode series and how we build on God, our sins, paying everyone life and telling the whole gospel story. Uh, just a, a couple of takeaways, tips and tools for you. I love how Greg used that red thread or red yarn, the red cord illustration all through scripture it is the story of God's redemption redemption for all mankind. Everything from the Old Testament that leads into the New Testament is all pointing to Jesus and the ultimate sacrifice he would make for our sins and, and just a powerful truth uh, of God's redemptive story all throughout scripture. And I think a, an important takeaway sometimes in leadership, 
uh, we get very task-oriented, or I know I get task-oriented. I get about the business of the ministry, and I get caught up in what I do for the kingdom. And I think it's a powerful reminder for all of us to pause and just be reminded that ultimately, the most powerful truth that defines who we are in life is whose we are. And that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are children of God first and foremost. And then from that, God calls us to do things for the kingdom. And and those are fantastic things. And praise God for those callings in our lives. But I don't want any of us to miss that ultimately what is so profound and important in our lives is that we are children of God. We have been born again by the grace of God through the the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ on the cross. So praise God that we're children of God and, and cling to that. That is ultimately what our identity is in as believers. God created us to be with him. Our relationship with God is foundational to who we are, whose we are, and then what we do in the kingdom. Uh, I want to encourage you again, as we've launched this partnership, there are a plethora of resources now available. And so as some tools that you can use, be sure to check out the, the devotions on version. Uh, the 40-day six words that'll change your life. Uh, devotion is powerful. Our staff here at Dare to Share is even going through it, so I challenge you to go through that devotion as well. And, and as a church, pray and consider launching your own Life in Six Words campaign. Yes, we've got an incredible uh, teen curriculum for your youth group to go through, but but pastors, we've got a a six-week sermon series that, again, lines up with the content that we're going through on the podcast, but you can go through, God created us to be with Him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. You can go through those six truths in a six-week sermon series, and so check out uh, the link that's below uh, that'll get you straight to the Open Network page where those resources are. There's one more tool I want to make sure that you are aware of coming up on October 10th of 2020, Dare to Share Live. This is a day in which your students will rally at your church as a youth group. Uh, Maybe you have the opportunity to partner with some other churches in your community, you can all come together and do it. And quite honestly, depending on your pandemic restrictions, if you need to facilitate this where your students are participating from their home, either alone or in small groups, it doesn't matter. It's a pandemic-proof event. I want you to be aware of it, and I want you to right now go to daretoshirelive.org and check it out because this is an event that your students are going to be motivated and mobilized to share the gospel. So this very series that we're kicking off, The Life in Six Words, God, Our Sins, Paying Everyone Life, this day is dedicated to training your students in that, training your students in the Life in Six Words app, and then as part of the event, sending them out in your community to do outreach. Again, if you can go out in public, there'll be in-person outreach ideas that we'll provide for you. If your pandemic restrictions have most of you at home or it's just not cool to go out in public and interact with strangers right now, we'll have a half dozen virtual and online outreach opportunities for you and your students to participate in. The bottom line, we take the gospel very seriously. We want your students equipped with the gospel. Dare to Share Live is going to do that. And so we do not want you to miss out on October 10th, 2020. Again, dare to Make sure your group is registered and equip your students with the gospel to live it and to share it. And so on behalf of Greg, myself, the whole team here at Dare to Share that makes Gospelize with Greg Steer happen every month, thank you for joining us. Thank you for starting this new six-episode series with you. Uh, we're praying for you until every teen everywhere hears the gospel from a friend.